everyone. Happy New Year. My name is Larry High. For those of you who may not know, I serve with the elder team here at North Park. And from time to time, get the privilege to do the morning message. And I'm always uh, thankful and look forward to these opportunities as they come, in particular this week. So uh, John and uh, Phil can have a week without having to think about preparing a message. Uh, let one of the others of us do that, and I get that privilege today. Um, so today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. We're beginning a new series today called Greater Than. And uh, this book of Colossians, over uh, it's projected to be an 11-week series. And uh, over the next 11 weeks, we'll be looking at Colossians and taking it apart and see what uh, the Apostle Paul has for us as he wrote uh, to a church that he had never visited, it seems. Um, and we'll, we'll see that as we go along in our study through Colossians. But there was an individual named Epaphras. Uh, where Epaphras came to faith, perhaps when Paul was ministering in Ephesus. But we do know from this book that Epaphras was the one who took the gospel over there to Colossae. And uh, we'll see that here in a minute. I've got a map and the next slide to show you where the Colossae is. But um, this series that we're going to do um, is uh, going to help us to uh, grow in our understanding of who Christ is and the superiority of Christ over everything. And so on our map here, um, this here being modern-day Turkey, um, and Colossae the, over here, then the blow-up here, Colossae, the Lycus River Valley there, uh, Laodicea and Hierapolis. Remember when Phil did the seven churches of Revelation? Laodicea was one of them. Uh, approximately, as I measured, about 105 or so miles mainly east, a little south of Ephesus, over there on the Aegean. And Paul ministered here, we know, for two years. And it says there in uh, Acts that uh, when Paul was ministering there, um, Acts chapter 19, that uh, all of Asia heard the gospel. And from that, uh, Epaphras took the gospel to Colossae, and a church was planted. The thing is, when the church was planted there, as so often with these epistles of Paul in particular, uh, false teaching and other things entered the church. And uh, Epaphras is very concerned. And so Paul, we believe, when he wrote this book, was uh, over here in Rome. And so Paul's in Rome because he's in prison. Uh, we believe probably he wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Philemon was a part of the Colossian church. And uh, so he's in Rome. He's in prison where uh, Luke leaves him at the end of Acts. Uh, he's in prison. He has a fair amount of uh, freedom to have visitors there. And that's where Epaphras would have come from familiar. And in some way, he must have traveled from Colossae, whether he went by ship or overland. Either way was treacherous and dangerous, but he found his way there, talked to Paul. Paul wrote this letter along with the letter to the Ephesians and the Philippians and sent them back to help to correct and to address errors within the churches and to encourage the believers. And uh, we'll see that. Paul is excited uh, about what God is doing there in, in Colossae, a place that he's never been. And so what I'd like to do is uh, uh, I'd like to lead us in prayer. Then I'll read. We're going to look at 1 through 14. Uh, I primarily want to look from 9 on, but I need to give some groundwork. So we'll work on that and see what God has for us today. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, it is certainly a privilege to gather and to worship you. And Lord, uh, we want to know you more and we want to know you better as we're on the threshold of a new year here. And Lord, uh, we're thankful that you already know all that's going to transpire in our lives this year. And Lord, we want to rest in the confidence of who you are, not only your infinite knowledge, Lord, but your infinite power. And Lord, today, help us to be reminded that the word of God is where we're going to find uh, strength for the days to come. And uh, so, Lord, encourage us, I pray, as we look at the Word, I pray that your Spirit would uh, speak clearly today, that you'd get me out of the way and deal with our hearts today and uh, help us to walk a little bit closer to you in this new year as a result of spending time together today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so the theme of the book is the greater nature of the Lord Jesus Christ to everything. And uh, Paul, we know from his writing, he's very adamant on that. And so... As I read this, let me read the first 14 verses, and then we'll go back and we'll uh, go a little deeper on some of it. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also. It is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. Even it has, it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the spirit stop there for just a second <laughs> do you know that starting from verse 2 all the way to the end of uh, verse 8 there is one sentence you know paul take a breath man <laughs> you know but you'll see that often in paul uh, in ephesians same thing run on sentences where it's like he's just on fire and he can't stop writing so he just goes and that's what he's doing here verse 9 for this reason also since the day we heard of it We have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Right out of the box, Paul has to go to the gospel uh, with this church that he's never met. There is, uh, when we get to chapter 4, you'll notice the last half or so of chapter 4 is Paul mentioning several people that uh, he knows that they also would know. So it's not like Paul didn't know anybody in the church. It's just he hadn't been there before. But uh, this letter is from Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. It's important just for a second to be reminded. Uh, Paul, who was known as Saul. Saul 
was his Hebrew name, his given name. But also Paul is the Greek form of his Hebrew name. It wasn't some esoteric, you know, well, at some point, uh, you know, he was renamed Paul. He's always been Paul. Saul was his Hebrew name, uh, Paul being the Greek form of the name. If you look at uh, Acts 19, in uh, verse 10 there, Luke, uh, as, as you uh, read Luke's account in Acts, starting in chapter 9, everywhere he's mentioned as Saul. On the road to Damascus, when he was converted, came to faith in Christ, he's known as Saul. And it's primarily in interaction with the Jews. Then as it goes along, uh, his ministry, as Luke is traveling with him and writing Acts, Paul's ministry shifts, and he's on uh, he's on. Uh, his missionary journeys, and there's a verse there, I believe it's chapter 10 of Acts 19, where uh, Luke mentions, and Saul, who is also called Paul, and then he goes on with the text, and from then on for the rest of Acts, it's Paul. In all of his epistles, it's Paul. Paul the, the Hebrew, Paul the Jew, Saul of Tarsus, that's who we're talking about, an apostle of Jesus Christ, apostle, sent one, messenger, uh, more than that, he that is sent, and specifically here, uh, that group of men, when we're talking about the apostles, that group of men charged by Jesus Christ himself to teach, preach, and spread the gospel of salvation, as he says here, by the will of God. See, Paul was appointed personally by Jesus Christ. The resurrected Christ appeared to him there on the Damascus Road and appointed him to this ministry. There were 14 apostles. We think of 12, the initial 12. Remember Judas, he, 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 he committed suicide, but he went to his place. And the, the apostles then uh, prayed to the Lord in Acts 1. They appointed Matthias as an apostle. And then Paul, as one born out of season is the way he put it, uh, came to faith in Christ, appointed by Christ as an apostle there on that road to Damascus. That's who's writing this letter. And Timothy, our brother, one of Paul's uh, primary converts and students and traveled with him. Indeed, Paul's last letter was to Timothy. And I need you. Come as soon as you can. When uh, we believe Paul was in prison twice, in Rome at least, more than twice, <clears throat> if you count elsewhere. But he's been in prison in Rome twice. And in his uh, first imprisonment, he had a lot of freedom. The second time, though, he knew he was going to die. And that's where he wrote Second Timothy, and he pleads for Timothy to hurry and come and see him. That's who's writing to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. The saints, the sanctified ones, the holy ones uh, who are at Colossae. How do we know what saints are or what it means? Well, Paul tells us in his greeting in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2, he says, To the church of God was at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ, saints by calling. Sanctify those who have been sanctified, sanctified, sanctus, holy, literally holified, those who have been made holy in Christ. Saints by calling. You know, I don't know what a saint is. Those who have been sanctified or made holy in Christ, those are the saints. That's who he's writing to, writing to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. Remember, mostly people he's never met, but he knows through Epaphras who he's writing to uh, in that way. And he, he wishes them grace and peace from God our Father as he does in most all of his epistles. 
uh, as he writes to the faithful brethren. So that's Paul's greeting. Uh, he's, now he's thankful. He's going to offer some thanksgiving. I'm hurrying a little because I want to get to verse 9 because that's where I want us to focus from there on. But to lay some of this groundwork, he's thankful for these uh, Colossians. In uh, verse uh, 3 there, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always uh, for you. Why? Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the love which you have for the saints, and the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. The hope you have because of the gospel of Christ, faith, hope, and love, prominent in Paul's writings. First uh, Corinthians 13, the love chapter. There is uh, now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. That's 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 13. So it's very prominent in Paul's writings. Very interesting here, though. He says, we heard of your faith in Christ and the love which you have for the saints. The faith you have in Christ, the proof of that, that's the love that you have for all the saints. Because I hear of the love you have for the saints, that tells me that uh, your faith in Christ is real. And, and you can have that because of the hope laid up for you in the gospel. Here's the basic, here's the basic principle. No faith. No love, you have no hope. You cannot love without the faith in Christ. True love is only known as a product of God's love. When Jesus Christ died for us and modeled what love is, that is love. And it's only the church that can truly love because they've been forgiven in Christ. No faith, no love, no hope. And he's thankful for what he hears of these people. And it's very interesting here now. Verse 6. Just uh, which has come to you just as in all the world also. It is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Verse 7. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. I wanted to focus on Epaphras for a moment because he's a key player or a key uh, figure in this uh, book. He brought the gospel there. And Paul gives him a commendation that he only, in only two places in his writings that he uh, uses this word, and it's both here in Colossians. And it's, it's that uh, fellow Bond servant, fellow bond servant, bond servant, doulos, slave. It, it gets lost in our translations. Paul referred to himself as bond servant. Romans one one. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Paul, a bond slave of Christ. And sometimes in our our word servant, we can maybe in our minds have this idea that there's an element of choice involved. Uh, with a bond servant, there is no element of choice. It's utter submission to the will of the master. It's when he speaks, it's yes, sir, and I get it done. And when he says that Epaphras is a bond servant, that's the kind of man Epaphras is. Utterly in subjection to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only that, he, he says he's my fellow bond servant. 
He is a fellow bond servant. His ministry is on our behalf there, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. He's saying Epaphras is out there ministering on my behalf. He's talking in the third person. And and there's only two people that Paul says this about. If you go over to chapter 4, verse 7, as to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord, will bring you information. Just these two men in all of Paul's ministry have that kind of a designation as fellow slaves, utterly in submission to the will of the Father. And when Epaphras speaks, he speaks for me because he speaks for Christ. It's a high commendation that Paul gives here. And he's a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And it's an amazing thing uh, what Paul uh, says here about Epaphras. Uh, I'd love to meet him. Hopefully in heaven we get those opportunities to meet some of these saints and hear their stories. He's a faithful servant of Christ. That word diakonos that we use for deacon, here he's not talking about the office, but the, the role of a servant of Christ. That's who Epaphras is. And he faithfully serves. And he's the one who told Paul about all that's going on in Colossae, the good stuff. And Paul offers lots of praise here for them, but also the challenges. And uh, next week, when Phil opens up the next section, we're going to see a section of Scripture, some of the most profound text about the deity of Christ and who he is in all the Bible. And Paul writes that to these Colossians so they will understand there is nothing superior to Jesus Christ and who he is because he's God. And Phil will talk to us about that. I don't want to take his thunder. That's, that's next week. Uh, and, and he's going to refute as we go on in our study the error that wants to enter the church there in Colossae. For this reason, in light of the, what the gospel has, verse 9, in light of what the gospel has done there in Colossae, in light of your faith, in light of your love for the saints, for this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Did you know that you can know what God's will is for your life? You can know God's will for your life. You can know what God has for you to do. You can know what he wants from you. You can have God's will for your life. And here in Colossians, Paul prays for these people that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will, of God's will. How, the, how are they going to do that? Well, I wanted to talk for just a minute three different ways that we can think about God's will. And then, then we'll go on from there. But three different ways that we can think of God's will. Because when he says that you can be filled with the knowledge of his will, he's not just saying you can, you can kind of have a familiarity. You, know, you can kind of get an idea of what God wants and go from there. No, he says be filled. That word epinosis is a deep and thorough knowledge. Filled. You can know what God wants in your life. You can have a, 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 a a deep and thorough knowledge of God's will. Three ways to think of God's will. The first one is God's will of decree. 
That is God's sovereign oversight of all that is. Everything that is, everything that's created, everything that exists, everything that happens, that God has sovereign oversight over everything. The theologians call this divine decree. Before the creation ever was, God already had planned and decreed everything that is. And so in that sense, his utter sovereign oversight, God's will of decree, immutable, cannot and will not be changed ever. That's one way to think of God's will. The other way, another way, number two, God's will of desire. That is his commands and desires as given in Scripture. You want to know what God's will is for your life? It's right here. The principles, the truths, the doctrines, everything that is in the book, that is God's will for your life. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to give you the answer to every one of life's questions. See, number three is God's will of direction. That is his leading through wisdom and prayer. And based on the word of God, I can learn the will of God and and have it applied to my life through the Spirit of God. And so now it comes down to decisions, and I've got to, you know, what job do I take? Do I take this job? Do I take that job? Lord, what house should I buy? And, you know, what person should I marry? And all of life's questions, and we wonder what God's will is. God's will is that you live the principles and commands of the Scripture. And then cry out for wisdom, James chapter 1. You lack wisdom? Ask and it will be given to you. doesn't mean ask and I'll give you all of life's answers. you still got to make decisions. You see, though, where it's a faith walk. It's a faith walk. It's a dependence. Lord, I'm crying out to you. I'm studying your word. I think this is what you want me to do. Lord, help help me not to be a fool. Help me to make good decisions. Protect me from myself, but I move ahead. And I make decisions and I live life. And then, because I'm trusting in God's providence, there's his divine decree, his providence to guide me, I'm trusting him that the best outcome will always happen. And we realize in life we make decisions and sometimes really bad stuff happens. But then, because we're people of faith and we have faith in the book and the God of the book, we step back and say, but that's God's will for my life. See, we can know God's will. For our life. What we want, though, is we want it to, you know, almost like on the screen like this and play out for us. Okay, I'll read that. All right, that's what I'm going to go do. That's not how typically God leads. It's a moment-by-moment walking with him in light of our words. As one author put it, what I am saying is we should stop thinking of God's will like a corn maze, a tightrope, or a bullseye, or a choose-your-own-adventure novel. Instead, read the book Live in light of the book. And uh, here, true knowledge starts with a proper attitude toward God, and right knowledge will lead to right behavior. Right knowledge, based on the Word of God, will lead to right behavior, to wise decisions. uh, We're going to skip a slide here. Um, Move ahead to Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In this case... Uh, the prophet is writing, and it's the it's the priests who had failed in teaching the people, and so the people didn't know the word of God, so they couldn't know the will of God. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, but the principle holds for us too. We need to know what God has said, and the only way we can know what God has said and what His will is is to be in His book. And then the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom 
and instruction. We can know if we fear him to a large degree by whether or not we even want to know him. And I get life is busy. I I really do. I, I have full empathy for anyone who says I'm really, really busy. I get it. I know what it is to get up at 4 in the morning and to go hard, literally at a sprint till 8.30, 10 at night and do that day after day after day after day. I get it. But somehow we've got to hear what God has said. We've got to be in his word. You remember, it's because people, the pagan world, tried to remove God from their minds that he gave them over to the results of their sin, Romans 1.28, just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper because they didn't want to know God. Eventually, God said, have your way and gave them over to a depraved mind. The way that we avoid that is we spend time with God. And the way we're going to spend time with God is to be in the word of God, various ways to do that. But to belabor this point, because Paul is praying that and he's saying you can know the will of God in all spiritual wisdom, he says. That is Holy Spirit given wisdom. As I said, you, you lack wisdom. Ask God and he'll give it. James chapter one. Ask in faith. But that doesn't mean, you know, Lord, give me wisdom. I'm just not going to do any effort to put anything in so you have something to work with. Give me wisdom means, Lord, I'm, I'm studying to know what you have said. And then, Lord, based on what I know about what you have said, guide my life. Help me not to be a fool. It's a, it's a word-based wisdom. Ephesians 1.17, Paul, in his uh, greeting there, very similarly, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom in revelation. How is he going to do it? In the knowledge of him. Want wisdom? Ask for it. Study his word. Do what we're doing this morning. Uh, be a part of things to help you to grow. Uh, one author, this is Warren Wiersbe, um, he, he calls this spiritual intelligence. The way he defines spiritual intelligence, he says, growing in the will of God by knowing the Word of God. It's that simple. Growing in the will of God by knowing the Word of God. Yes, we're all going to be at different places. Our our capacities, our abilities, uh, it's all different. But the point is, my heartbeat needs to be, Lord, I want to know you. And the way I'm going to know him is I've got to read what what he's given us so that I can know him. And the result of this, as as Paul goes on, filled with the knowledge of his will, verse 9, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, verse 10, So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. And there again, increasing in the knowledge of God to please him in all respects. I can please God in all respects. I can please him in my work. I can please him in my home. I can please him in my social life and in my private life that I can please him. 1 Thessalonians 4.1, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction, there's the word of God because it's Paul doing the instruction, 
as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more and more. You see where it's a word or a God-centered, a God's word-centered growth in understanding so we might have to please God in all respects. And then he says to bear fruit in every good work, John 15:4. How are we going to bear fruit in every work? Well, you remember Jesus, he talked to his men about this. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And this abiding in Christ, this branch that cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, part of how we abide in the vine is we study what the vine has said, because that's where the life-giving nourishment is going to come from, is the fruit of what the Lord has said. That's the food we live on. You remember Jesus? As he talked about, I have other food. It was the word of God, and it's the same for us. And we abide in the vine, and then we can bear fruit in every good work. Every good work. And all of our work can be good work, from the menial to the not-so-menial. It can be good work. And as he goes on uh, to increase, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, we can have a growing increase in our knowledge and familiarity of the living God who wants to have a relationship from us. The Psalm 119, it's a wonderful psalm to read because practically every single verse mentions in some way the Word of God, its, uh, its precepts, its commands, and all of that. In Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all day. I want to live the will of God. I've got to spend time in the Word of God so the Spirit of God has something to work with in my life to convict me and to guide me and to strengthen my thinking so I can make godly decisions in following Him. And then he goes on, he says, and and so you can be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. You ever cry out for strength? You know, in, in times of decision, times of crisis, uh, even sometimes in the mundane, but you've got you've to gotta make decisions and you don't know what to do. And, and we can be strengthened. And when it says with all power, he's talking about God's power, infinite, unlimited power at our access, according to his glorious might. I love that. For the attaining of all steadfastness and patience and joy. So we can be steadfast. Not so wishy-washy. And we can have courage, and don't we need it today? Man, I got empathy for a lot of you that are still out there. I'm retired now, see, for my 45 years of trade. But the pressures that are coming on people in their jobs related to uh, some of the gender issues and other things and things that believers are being asked to affirm. And the challenge to... Whether the Word of God is true or not in our lives, some of you are dealing with that every day at work. And the only way that you're going to make it through that in a way that gives the honor and the glory to Christ is to turn to the Word of God, asking Him to fill your mind with thoughts of God so I can respond to life with the will of God. And because some of that can be very costly, personally. Big picture, not so much. The increase 
and in the knowledge of God, strengthened with God's power. And why do we do it? Why do we do it? Because you've been rescued. Look at verse 12. Paul says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I love that. Qualified us. See, not everybody gets to go right into the direct presence of the Father, only those who are qualified. And if we've been qualified, it's because somebody else did it, because I'm certainly not qualified. It's the, he's qualified as how did he do it? Well, he rescued us from the domain of darkness. Remember, Jesus is the light there in John chapter 1, and the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness could not overcome the light that Jesus brought into the world, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's rescued us from the domain of darkness. Not only that, he's transferred us into the kingdom of his Son. Notice it's he, 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 not me. I get to be the recipient. And he qualifies us by paying the price. And then he transferred us to the kingdom of his son. And now we're citizens of heaven. We live right now in the United States of America. And praise God for the freedom we have. But a lot of things to be concerned about. And we wonder. Our citizenship is in heaven first. And Jesus Christ, who is King and Lord of Lords and rules, is ruling even now. And he's not intimidated. The divine decree I mentioned, God is working his plan. And there's a day coming when the King is coming back and going to rule in person. That's the kingdom we've been transferred to when you're in despair or you wonder at times where things are going. We look to the King. He's not nervous. (laughs) When he comes back, the big sword is going to take care of business. And here's the amazing thing. He's transferred us to the kingdom of son of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He bought us back, paid the penalty for our sin in his blood and bought us back. And we get to be citizens of heaven. I skipped some slides. We're going to go to the application now. So as we think about this, there's a couple of things I wanted to be able to, uh, hopefully, the first one is a question. And the first one, do you, do you desire to know God's will for your life? Well, that seems obvious, but no. Do you desire to know God's will for your life? Remember, we can be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 9, that word epinosis, a deep and thorough knowledge. We can know God's will for our life. The question is, are we really Are we willing to do what it takes to know the will of God for our life? If we're truly going to know and live God's will for our lives, we've got to rethink our priorities often. We have to rethink our priorities often. It just may be that the main thing keeping me from living according to God's will is my own unwillingness to prioritize time with Him in the Word and prayer. It's that simple. 
A lot of times we don't know the will of God because we really don't want to. Um, We want the noise. Keep my head filled with noise. Keep my mind filled with distraction because when it's quiet and there's no distractions, I have to think about God and I don't want to. So I fill my life up with distractions so I won't think about God. And a lot of times, if we want to know the will of God, we're going to have to reorder our priorities. This is the start of a new year. It's the start of a new opportunity to say, Lord, I, I just want to know you better. I, I want to do what it takes to know you better. One of the things, and John talked about this briefly, is uh, with the prayer journals and things to help us to read and to study God's Word so that the Word of God that's in us can guide us and we can know how to think about life and know how to make decisions and know how to please Him. Uh, North Park has provided D groups. You want to go deeper? Maybe the thing that would help you would would be to be with uh, three or four other men or women, depending on uh, your gender, and and go a little deeper where there's some accountability to help you grow in the study of God's Word. I would encourage you to be a regular participant in a life group where we study the Word of God. And yes, there's a fellowship element, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Go deeper. Daily practice uh, times without the distraction of your phone or any other media. There's a hard one. Like I said, we're so distracted. I would encourage you, if you're a parent, set times, probably the evening, but whatever works in your house, put a spot and say all devices go right there and shut off notices, everybody, including yours. And for a period of a couple of hours, we're not responding to media. We're engaging with one another, and we're going to be in the Word of God or something like that, and we're not going to be distracted. Practice daily times. Set aside times. And here's something really like, this one now is far out. Read a book. Literally, read a book. Where you have to have extended focus for more than 30 seconds where you actually have to read a paragraph. I know that's asking a lot for some. But now maybe a whole page, even two. (laughs) I'm just saying extended linear thought where thoughts develop because that's the skill that's being rapidly lost. And learn to focus on the Lord. And and no better place to read than in the Word of God. And there are many helpful things, uh, books that can help us with that. And then number two, We can learn to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all aspects, bearing fruit in every good work, verse 10. We can learn that, and we will do that by increasing in the knowledge of God, always remembering that it is God who qualified us to be one of His saints. It is God who transferred us to the kingdom of His Son, where it is God who provided our redemption and our forgiveness, and we can literally know the will of God for our life. So then it is God who will supply us with wisdom to make decisions that glorify Him. So here it is, for the Spirit-filled believer who is intent on knowing the will of God, they will find it in the Word of God when guided by the wisdom of God in prayer. The Spirit-filled believer will find the Uh, the will of God in the word of God when guided by the wisdom of God in prayer. And we can have that 
And that's uh, my prayer for you for this year. And as we study uh, this book of Colossians, that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ because he's God and he's worth it. And he wants us to please him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for how you have revealed yourself to us, Lord. You chose to put it in a book. There's a permanence to it. We know that your word will stand forever, and when printing presses and everything else fails, the word of God will still be there. Lord, we also know that in, uh, in our lives, you've given us so many ways to know your word. Uh, printed media and digital and so many ways of video, so many things. And, Lord, we're thankful for it. Help us, Lord, to be users of your word, those who study, those who want to know, those who crave to go deeper. And then, Lord, take the word of God and change our lives. Help us to be people that walk as Jesus walked, to following holy, uh, 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 doulos, like Epaphras, a slave of Christ. Lord, help us to give the glory to you, to worship you a little bit better. We pray that you would be put on display through our lives. We just want to say we love you, Lord. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.